Grab your Bibles if you would, and I would encourage you to turn with me to the book of Amos. Amos, you will find that in the Old Testament. Some of you that might be struggling to, to find it, look for Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos. If it helps you, it's on page 1,223 in my Bible. I'm not sure if it's going to match up with yours. We're going to be spending the next several, several weeks, probably all the way up till Easter, working through uh, the book of Amos. In fact, I want to spend uh, time on Wednesdays going through other Old Testament books as well. One of the things that we'll be doing here in the very near future, and we'll share more details about this in our family meeting, but uh, beginning on January the 29th, we'll have a midweek worship service in here. We'll sing together, we'll pray together, we'll praise together, and I'll bring a message as well. Lord willing, I believe that we're going to start off in the book of Jonah, and then after we work through Jonah, we're going to go straight into Nahum, uh, although those books are separated by one book in the Bible. Uh, it's about a hundred year time frame that uh, occurs from Jonah to, to Nahum, and there's so much that happens, and it's, it's going to be an exciting and encouraging you know, study. I'm looking forward to it, but I, I want us to, to hold a high value on the complete Word of God, and not just get stuck or limited into one section of God's Word. I don't want us to be just a New Testament-only type of church that only preaches from New Testament texts and never goes back to study and understand what the Old Testament has to say to give us illumination and understanding of what the New Testament is all about. So uh, today we're going to dig into the book of Amos, and uh, we're, we're going to cover a whole two verses this morning. So, I mean, that's it's, it's a lot. You might think, how are we going to get through all of this before Easter if we're just starting off with, with two verses? And my answer to you is, I really don't know. <laughs> but in these, there's some great truths for us to unpack. In fact, there's some truths that are, are, are foundational for the, our understanding the entire book of Amos. And so we'll spend time this morning in Amos chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. I'll begin by reading verse 1. It says, The words of Amos, uh, who was among the, the sheep herders from Tekoa, which he envisioned in visions concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel. Two years before the earthquake. We'll stop right there because in, in that single verse, Amos is trying to give us the historical setting and, and a background, a, a framework of understanding uh, as to the time period in, in which he was addressing these needs and these issues. And so, uh, first of all, I want you to understand that the name Amos is significant. It, his name could translate as burden bearer, one who bears the burden. Amos himself, he does not identify himself as a prophet. Rather, he identifies himself as a sheep herder. One who herds sheep. In fact, the, the Hebrew word that's used here is very unique. It's only found in one other place in the Old Testament. The, the, the other place in the Old Testament that this word is found is in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse number 4. 
So, so what we understand is that Amos is, is more literally, it would be translated as uh, one who breeds sheep. He's a, a, a sheep breeder. And, and so uh, not only was he a breeder of sheep, then we'll see in chapter 7. In fact, go ahead and turn with me to Amos chapter 7 so I can show you that according to what we read in chapter 7, he was also a cultivator of the sycamore tree. So in, in chapter 7, beginning in verse number 14, it says that Amos replied to Amaziah. He said, I am not a prophet, nor am I a son of a prophet, for I am a herdsman and a grower of sycamore figs. But then he says, but the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. And so Amos wasn't a, a, a prophet. He didn't come from a, a line of prophets. He was one that bred sheep, and he was a cultivator of fig trees. And the Lord spoke to him, called him, and sent him with a mission and a message to proclaim. And thankfully, Amos was obedient to the Father and did what the Lord commanded him to do. And so we know that he lives in this village of Tekoa, if you know where that is, congratulations. I am greatly impressed. Anybody know where Tekoa is? Well, not a single hand. One, somebody does. Yes, very good. We got one, and I know where it is, so I'm two. Now we all know where it is. It's 11 miles south of Jerusalem. And you're all like, oh, yeah, of course, that Tekoa. I didn't know that's what you were talking about. So he's 11 miles south of Jerusalem. He lives during the, the reign of uh, Uzziah, which is in the southern kingdom of Judah, and Jeroboam II, which is in the northern kingdom of Israel. And then he makes an interesting statement as to the time frame of this writing. The last phrase, he says, two years before the earthquake. And, and I, I think it's interesting how he marks that time period and stuff. Because I think we do a similar approach. Like, for instance, if I were to say, uh, how many of you, what comes immediately to your mind when I mention the date September 11, 2001? Oh, that's a, that's a significant moment in our lives, right? How many of you can remember where you were on September 11, 2001? Remember what you were doing on that? How many of you remember that it was actually a Tuesday morning? That everything was unfolding. How many of you sat and watched in horror as the events unplayed on live television? Any of you? Yeah. It was only about three months later in December of 2001, CNN had conducted a poll in which 74% of the people that were polled said that September 11, 2001 was a day that changed everything forever. And it was a day that changed everything. I mean, I just picked up my, my wife and my son from the airport yesterday, and I had the thought, I was like, oh man, remember the days when you used to go all the way to the terminal, all the way to the gates, and you can take somebody there, you can pick them up as soon as they got off the airplane? Yeah, that, that, those days don't exist anymore. So I, I imagine that the earthquake that's mentioned here in chapter 1, verse number 1, has a similar effect for them as 9-11 has for us. We can mark that time period. We can understand what's happening by the reference to that single event. And so 
at this time, it's important for us to understand that both Judah and Israel were enjoying prosperity and security. And so things were going well for, for the land. In fact, religion was even popular among the people. In fact, in chapter 4, you'll read how Israel flocked to the royal chapel in Bethel. And in chapter 5, you'll see how Judah celebrated the feast enthusiastically. So both the the, the northern and the southern kingdoms were, were embracing religious activity and were faithfully engaged in it. But the problem was sin. The sin of both nations. The sin of the nations were eroding the religious and the moral fibers of the people. So now we had the rich who were exploiting the poor. We had a judicial system that was corrupt. And as a result, injustice flourished. Making money was more important to the people than worshiping and submitting and surrendering to God the Father. I would imagine that if the prophet Amos lived among us right here today in America, he'd probably feel very much at home with the events that happen in our nation now. See, both kingdoms, the northern and the southern kingdom, were prosperous. They had a lot of prosperity. That's a better way to say it. A lot of prosperity. Their cities were expanding. They were growing. However, in spite of all of their material success, all was not well for the people of God. And so that's why we see verse number 2. Look at verse number 2. And he said, Amos is speaking. He said, the Lord roars from Zion. And from Jerusalem, he utters his voice. And the shepherd's pasture grounds mourn, and the summit of Carmel dries up. I want you to notice that when it says the Lord there, that that word Lord, it should be rendered in your Bible with all capitalized letters. You see that? First of all, you have to have a Bible in front of you to be able to see it. So bring your Bibles to church. It's kind of an important thing to have. But if you had it there, you had it open, you would see, hopefully, that it's rendered, Lord, all capitalized letters. I don't know if you've noticed that before or not, but in the Old Testament Scriptures, you'll see that there are times when Lord is rendered all capitalized, and then there are other times when Lord has just a capital L, and then O-R-D are all lowercase. And maybe you know the significance of that. I'm just going to assume that you don't so that I can share with you the significance of that. When you see Lord all capitalized, then that is a word that's referring to the covenant name of God. It's referring to the name Yahweh. Yahweh. And so when Lord occurs and it's just the capital L and that's it, well, that's referring to to God's name as Adonai. Adonai is the name that emphasizes lordship, authority, rule, reigning, power. But so, Lord all capitalized is the covenant name of God. Lord only capital L is uh, Adonai. And so the use of his name Yahweh here 
reminds us, as it did uh, the people uh, of Amos' time, it reminds us that the Lord has a covenant relationship with His people. He is their Maker. He is their God. And so Amos likens God to one of the most powerful animals in the world. He describes the Lord's voice as the roar of a lion. A lion is a symbol of, of, of sovereignty. It's a symbol of strength, a symbol of courage. And so his roaring is a sign of his righteous vengeance against wickedness, both the wickedness of individuals and the wickedness of a nation. And so the, the roar of the lion is what we're going to be working through over these next several weeks together. And I hope that you're prepared to, to hear and to respond to the roar of the lion. And so with that in mind, I want to challenge you with a couple of things this morning before we look at some other information. I want to challenge you to be open to receiving the, the roar of the lion into your lives, not only to receive it, but to respond accordingly to the roar of the lion. So, so my challenges are, are you going to be open to receive God's Word? And as you receive God's Word, are you going to be real, willing to respond to it appropriately? I want to challenge you to be here. Be here every single week. And unless the Lord calls you home or you can't get out of your bed because of some sickness, I want you to make a commitment that this place will be a priority for you every single Sunday. So that you'll be faithful in receiving and listening to the roar of the lion. And then if you happen to miss or you can't be here, then will you be at least consistent in following up and listening to the message? We make it available online. You can watch it on YouTube. You can download the app that the church provides. And you can either listen or watch the message each and every week from a phone, from your computer, from a tablet of some kind. So if you can't at least be here physically, will you make a commitment to listen to every single message? And then don't just show up, but get here and be prepared when you arrive. That means that you're ready to, 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 you've already been practicing, you've already been reading, you've already been praying, you've come with the right mindset. Father, help show me what it is I need to learn today. Now, you didn't know today that we're just going to look at chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, but you now know that next week we're going to be looking at chapter 1, verse 3, all the way through chapter 2, verse 3. That's the text that I'm going to cover next week. So I want to encourage you to be prepared for that next week. Spend time this week reading through the book of Amos. If you were to read through it from chapter 1 all the way to the end, it would take you probably... 35 to 40 minutes. And that depends on uh, how well you read, if you're a fast reader or a slow reader. And some of you, might, it might be hard for you to discipline yourself to, to read that length of time. But I want to encourage you to find a way to, to do that, to begin to instill that practice of reading God's Word. And if you know the text that we're going to be looking at, then you can be reading over and praying over that text prior to you getting here so you already have a foundation and you're kind of ready to receive uh, what God has to say to us. And there are a lot of ways that you can do it. Break it down a couple of chapters a day. 
How many of you do better hearing it rather than reading it? Any of you? I'm that way. So, so here's a plug. I'm getting nothing from this. But if you're more audible in your he- learning and that is more effective for you, um, I would encourage you to download uh, an app and, and to uh, allow that to read it for you as you're following along. Don't just let it read it for you without your Bible open but let it read it for you as you're following along. And the app that I use, it's an app that's called Dwell. D-W-E-L-L. For those of you that like things like that, I'd write it down, I'd use it. Man, I wasn't even prepared for it. I didn't know I was going to go there. Let's see if I can figure this out. Hey, is this one on? Yellow something? This is just kind of as we make this up as we go along, we're going to figure this out. Check, check, check. Oh, the battery's dead in this one. How about Joel's? Check. Yeah, that's good. So if you would use the, the app Dwell, it's so awesome. But you can actually change the reader's voice. So if you have a reader that you find their voice to be annoying or draining, you can change it. Uh, you can actually set a background uh, music. I like that. And so let me, let me give you a, a sample here. Let me see if I can get this to work. which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah. So you hear that? And in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. And he said... So I I like listening to him. That's Felix, by the way. Felix has this great, rich African voice. Uh, You can change the background. You can have no music playing. I kind of like to zone out a little bit with that background. It, It puts me at peace and... You can choose piano music, guitar music. I mean, it's just cool. So for me, I do better when I hear and follow along. I, I'm more disciplined to stay focused. And so using things like that is extremely helpful for me. And so if that happens to be the same for you, I'd encourage you to find a way to do that. Find, we have all these resources that are available to us. Figure it out. Find something. Be disciplined and diligent in the reading of God's Word and spend time this week reading through the book of Amos. And, and so the challenge for us all is, is that we would be open uh, to, to hear the roar of the lion, to respond appropriately, that we would be faithful and consistent in our participation each and every week, and that we'll be prepared. Not only will we read the text prior to getting here on Sunday, but we'll actually show up Sunday as though we're actually expecting God to show us something and to teach us something. And one of the ways we demonstrate that is we bring our Bible and we bring something to write with and we bring something to write on. Because when you bring your Bible and you bring something to write with and write on, you're coming with the expectation that God is going to teach you something so important that you want to write that thing down and not forget it. To me, it's the equivalent of praying for rain and not carrying an umbrella. Man, if you're going to pray for rain, then carry an umbrella because you expect God to bring the rain. If you're going to come to church expecting God to teach and show you something, then come prepared. Bring your Bible. Bring something to write with. Bring a journal to log it in. So, so that's my challenge, that you'll be open to hear the roar of the lion, to respond appropriately, that you'll be here each and every week, and that you'll come and you'll be prepared. Now, with that all in mind, let me just kind of give us a little background setting here. Let's talk about the purpose of the book of Amos. 
the book of Amos, I would say, has a twofold purpose. For this book has a historical purpose and it has a spiritual purpose. We'll start with the historical purpose for this book. Amos's immediate purpose was to call the people of Israel to repentance and obedience. The purpose of this book. And so although the Lord has already blessed the nation greatly, the people were not using their wealth for the benefit of one another. They weren't using the blessings that they received from God for the glory of God. Instead, the people were ignoring God's Word. They were heaping sin upon sin. And they were guilty of all sorts of evil. Let me just kind of give you a rundown of some of the sin that's mentioned that they're guilty of. When we get to chapter 2, we'll see that they're guilty of adultery judgment. So that's kind of like the historical purpose. But, but not only does it have a historical purpose for us to understand what was happening then, it has a spiritual purpose for us to take what has happened then and then to rightly apply those truths to our lives today. And so the book of Amos teaches us several valuable lessons. Among these lessons are, are, include things like sin and judgment. The core message of Amos is that God will judge sin and that His judgment is coming. So yes, God is patient. Yes, it is true that God is slow to anger. But you need to understand that, that there is a limit to the patience of God. Sin, rebellion, corruption, injustice, every form of evil behavior will be judged. Which means every person and every nation that breaks God's law and ultimately refuses to repent from that will also be judged. And so that was true for them in the historical context. It's also true for us today. Sin and judgment. Which brings us to the second valuable lesson for us. And that is the lesson of the necessity of repentance. The necessity of repentance. So make no mistake, Repentance is the only hope that we have to escape the judgment and wrath of God. Amos calls the people of Israel to repentance and his message continues to call all people to a point of repentance in their lives today. You should have noticed a, a, a critical fact. All people must repent. Everyone. Everyone needs to repent because no person can keep all of God's laws. No person can keep all of God's laws, at least not perfectly. They can't keep it uh, completely, nor can they keep it all of the time. All people need repentance because according to Romans chapter 3, verse number 23, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And check it out, we're included in the all. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. 
And so we too, like the, 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 the children of Israel to which Amos is speaking to, we too need to repent from our sins and turn to God. We need to turn to God seeking His mercy and receiving the forgiveness that He offers to us because of what was accomplished through His Son. And so uh, we have sin and judgment. You see, the necessity of repentance. And then thirdly, and this is a crucial point for us to understand, and that is that our repentance must be genuine. It must be authentic. It must be truly representative of how you feel and how you respond to God's call for us to confess our sins and to repent from them. Amos warns us about the danger of hypocritical, empty, meaningless, religious activity. In fact, I'll show you that warning right now. Turn with me to Amos chapter 5. Listen to the, to the roar of the lion as he says in verse number 21. He says, I hate, I despise your feast, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs, to the melody of your harps, I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Oh, we need to understand that genuine repentance is what leads to the mercy and the receiving of the forgiveness that God offers unto us. And so the message of Amos is, is needed today as much as Ever. I mean, I understand that, that sin and judgment, sin will bring about the judgment of God, but we also need to understand that the judgment of God begins in the house of God. Did you know that? God's judgment begins among his people. I'll show you in scripture. I'll wait for you. These aren't on the screen, so I'll wait for you to turn there. Go to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. The judgment of God begins with the house of God. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 17 says, For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news. God's judgment begins among His people. Far too many people call themselves Christians and yet faithfully and consistently ignore God's Word and ignore God's commands. For far too many professed believers, they, they only seek God for his blessing. Far too many believers only turn to God when they have a need, treating him as though he's there to serve us rather than 
we exist to serve and to glorify Him. And so like the Israelites of Amos' day, some people, even those that they claim to, to be believers, some people are living their lives completely for themselves. Living their lives seeking to please themselves and to pursue whatever it is that they want and to chase after their dreams without any thought or consideration to what God has called them to do with their lives. I want you to understand how we live our lives matters. Who we are, what we do, how we live, how we treat other people is of utmost importance. And so my desire as we begin this journey of going through this book into listening to the roar of the lion and responding to it each and every week is to first of all just pause and to consider, Father, what is it in my life today that needs to be made right with you? There are a lot of times in our worship gatherings that I feel as though we move from one thing to the next and we just, we move when we move when we move when we move and we don't take the time to just pause. To pause and to, we do a lot of talking, a lot of singing, but can we just pause a little bit so that we can allow the God to speak to us through His Spirit, guiding us and directing us in life? So I'm going to ask them to come up and start playing some music for us here. Come on, make your way up here. And we're going to enter into a time of, of just prayer. This is our, our time of invitation. My, uh, it's an open invite for you to, to ask you to respond to what God's leading you to do. What does that look like? Would you be willing in your place where you're at just to pray, Father, what is it that you need or what you desire from me today? Maybe it's a sin that needs to be confessed. Maybe it's a commitment that needs to be made. Maybe it's forgiveness that needs to be granted or needs to be asked for. Can, can you just spend a little time with our Father and say, Daddy, what is it that you need from me? What is it that you're asking from me? Maybe, maybe He's calling you into a relationship with Him. And the Spirit is urging you to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. And so maybe today what you need to do is to confess and believe. Staff is going to come up here. You guys make your way up here. We want to be available to pray with you, to encourage you. I'm going to ask everyone else just to bow your heads and, and close your eyes and, and just ask God, God, what do you ask from me today? What can I do? How should I respond? Show me, Father. What's the one decision that you can make right now, right here, that would bring you more in line in the proper relationship that God's called you to? Spend a little time and let's pray together, church. And if you want to grab somebody next to you and, and pray with them and for them, I highly encourage that. Let's pray.